0: The title to tonight's message is, What is that in your hand? Evaluating the influence of digital technology in our hearts and lives. It's an unusual message, perhaps, for a council meeting, but it is something, I think, that we need to be looking at. Uh, Each one of us are exposed to the influences that have to do with, with our modern technology, with our digital technology. And tonight I want you to be thinking, I would like you to be thinking about the influence that you may be under with our technology. And I would like for the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to me that if there's an area where there is some shadiness in our lives, that we take care of it, that we don't allow that to grow because this is one of the ways that we can easily be influenced to those things which are not good. Washington State is now in, came out with a new law this past summer that will ticket drivers who are driving under the influence of electronics. And it's called DUI slash E. Driving under the influence of electronics, it carries for a minimum fee, fine of about $130. And if you are caught with a phone in your hand or some other technology by an officer, they can ticket you on the spot. You are driving under the influence. I heard that news report just in the last week or two, and it it, it hit, it struck a chord with me. Are we living under the influence of our digital technology? Is that impacting us to the, to the extent that driving under the influence of alcohol would a driver? Are we somehow being impacted in a negative way? I'm observing more and more folks with something in their hand. And it's not uncommon. It would have been very uncommon a few years back to see someone with something in their hand all the time. And for many folks, these devices jump into their hands early in the morning. I'm told that uh, ladies in a certain age bracket, about a third of lady users need to check their Facebook account before they comb their hair in the morning. It is something that stays by folks' beds at night just in case something happens that they need to know about. And it uh, goes through with them throughout the day. And these are very beautiful little devices. Uh, there's one that just came out recently that is worth over $1,000. You're going to spend over $1,000 for the new iPhone 10. But it's a beauty. It will actually recognize your face in the dark and unlock itself for you. These devices make little distracting sounds at times. And they pull our attention away from what we're doing and we need to address something or other. And people will spend hours, literally, looking at these, these little devices. Hours and hours. And they will sit there with their little finger and rub across the screen of these, of these uh, devices. And uh, seem to be enthralled with them. Young people are spending an average of five hours a day in interaction with a digital device. Think about that one just a bit. Five hours a day is spent in some interaction with a phone or some other digital device. One-third of your waking hours are in in some kind of contact. They will touch them 2,617 times a day. We know what these devices are, are, but what impact are they having on us as Christians? That is the topic of tonight's message. What impact are they having on your life? What are they to you? We're pioneers in this business. There's no generation before us that has ever been where we are with digital devices. No people group has ever dealt with our life situation. We could go back into history and try to find a similar situation to ours and it doesn't exist. It never happened before. How do Christians live in a digital world? How should we live in a digital world? Are the principles that are in the Scripture applicable to today's digital world? My answer is yes, they very much are. And I don't know if the Apostle Paul or others could have foreseen what we are faced with today, but the principles that they they have delineated in Scripture, are applicable even today. Should we become Luddites? I don't know how many of you know what Luddites are. A few of you know what Luddites are. They got their name from Ned Ludd. Ned Ludd was an 18th century Englishman who decided that technology shouldn't advance anymore in his factory, and they banded together a bunch of factory workers and destroyed the technology in their factory the weaving machines and so on, they just trashed them so that they wouldn't lose their jobs. And so the name Luddite is someone who is opposed to uh, modern technology, like the Amish. Well, they're not totally there. We would have to go further than that if we are going to be true Luddites. I think tonight is a good time to take a double take of, of, of where we are on this issue. Are you doing a good job or, or is your head in the sand? I heard a comment from a Yoder mother a while back. He said, we Yoders have our heads so far down in the sand that our mouth is, and throat is getting full of sand. And I find that's the attitude. In Mennonite churches, many times there are so many parents who, whose heads are in the sand. They are not wanting to face the reality of what the culture that we're living in. And they don't understand what's going on and they don't want to appear foolish. And so we we kind of ignore what's going on instead of taking a good biblical approach to it. What is that in your hand? I invite you to turn first to Psalm 1 for a scriptural background tonight. Psalm 1 is is, uh, is a scripture that I've discovered that speaks straight to our issue here today. The first Psalm, Psalm one, I would read that Psalm. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water, that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Blessed is the man, he says, that doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. But so many of us do walk in the counsel of the wicked. Digital technology makes it so easy and convenient to walk in the counsel of the wicked. Just a quick Google search away. So many blogs available. The the influence of the world is in our hand. Blessed is the man, he says, who doesn't stand in the way of sinners. But we don't need to go anywhere to get there these days, to stand in the way of sinners. We don't need to go anywhere. We don't need to go to the city gate to be there. Back in the culture of, of the psalmist, you went to the city gate for a social occasion. You went there to meet with people. And today we don't need to go to there. The way of the sinners is in the palm of our hand. Social media will take us there in a flash. The seat of the scoffers is just a tweet away. And the influence of the world is in our hand. The man of God delights in the law of the Lord, but for many of us our delight comes from Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or ESPN. We have never really learned to meditate because our attention span has become way too short. We flip from app and app, app to app and scroll through our favorite social media. We get started on one thing and they get, then get distracted quickly by something else. Very little meditating on the word. And that's the contrast I want to show throw in here from this psalm tonight is what a contrast it is from the psalmist. He says, Don't the man who doesn't stand in the in in the way of sinners is blessed. The man, it, who, the man who meditates on the Word of God, the man who is able to focus deeply on the Word and be influenced by the Word. I invite you ne- next to turn to John chapter 17, just two verses there. St. John chapter 17, verses 14 and 15. John 17 is, records Jesus' high priestly prayer. He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Jesus' goal for his disciples was, his concern for the welfare of his disciples was that not that he would God would take them out of the world, but that they would be kept from the wicked one. We also, I don't think Jesus wants us to get out of the world. He he doesn't want us to get into a little commune somewhere and, and isolate ourselves. But he wants us to be kept from the evil one. He prays that we would be kept from the evil one. We have an allegiance to God who not only created us in his image, but has become our master because we have been purchased by him with a huge price that was offered. Satan and the world system is our enemy now also, just as they are God's enemy. Satan didn't invent digital technology. Al Gore didn't either. But Satan is having a heyday with the efficiency of modern technology. He is. He is having a heyday. It makes his job easier. We need to make, understand what's going on here. I invite you now to turn to 1 Corinthians 7, verses 29 to 31. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 29 to 31. This is a key passage in, in understanding how to handle digital technology and how we should respond to digital technology. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 29 says, But this I say, brethren, that the time is short... It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possess not, and they that use this world as not abusing it. For the fashion of this world passeth away. The key words there are using but not abusing. And the believer has even a bigger reason for to be cautious in the use of di- digital technology than your average worldling, because then we realize that the time is short, the danger is real. And we understand that there have been so many failures in our Christian communities. And I'm not going to go in tonight into details of failures that, that you may know about, but I am going to highlight the fact that there have been failures. There have been failures as a result of the access and of the exposure that has been there. We may use but not abuse. Digital technology has tremendous capability in good hands. And I think it can be used for the glory of God. Apple and Google and Microsoft have been a huge help in my personal ministry. Today, people in Nigeria and Brazil and India are listening to messages that I preach and I praise God for that. But the discipline of using but not abusing is something I personally need to do better in. The word use here is from the Greek word kraomei, which means to graze or to touch lightly. To use means to touch lightly, to use it appropriately, to to light upon, to act toward one in a given manner. The word abuse is to overuse, to misuse. We need to be careful how we use those things that God has given us, the resources that he has given us, and that would include digital technology. The NIV rendering of verse 31 says, For those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them, for this world in its present form, is passing away. Have you seen someone engrossed in his phone? Yeah. And, and it's becoming so, so common anymore. I see someone just wrapped. Just They've got their phone out and they're standing somewhere off to one side and they're just, they're just looking at it. And I wonder what they're doing. Don't you wonder what they're doing? I do. They're engrossed in it. And it, it can be a very, very big pitfall to us if we're engrossed in it and misusing it. The challenge for us as believers is, is not only to abstain from that which leads to evil, but also from the inordinate use of the legitimate. And that would fall, the, the technology would fall under that, I think. Satan is much Happy is happy much with the technology that we have. Technology is not innately evil, but makes its job of influence peddling less complicated. He doesn't have to take us anywhere to have us walk in the counsel of the ungodly. The counsel of the ungodly is in our hands. We don't have to go anywhere to stand in the way of sinners. The way of sinners is displayed on our smartphones. The seat of the scornful is just a tweet away. Finally, I'd like to, to turn to First Corinthians 6, verses 14 to 18. I just pushed, poked that into the message this afternoon. I realize there's a principle here that, that we need to talk about just a little bit that has to do with the use of, of digital technology. And I think you'll pick it right up as we read this. Second Corinthians 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership... And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. The principle here is one of separation, and I know you've been taught, as, as good Mennonites have, that, there is, that we believe in separation. Separation is an interesting thing, isn't it? Separate, biblical separation is a very interesting comment. I don't think God wants us to try to go hide somewhere to be separate. But he does want us not to stand in the way of sinners. He does want us not to be influenced by the world system. He wants us to influence not to be influenced. There's so much exposure that happens, even to the young people of our families and our church. The shelter that used to be there has been breached by instant exposure to all that is offered out there. And the exposure is real and it's dangerous. Our young people have become frontline troops. I don't know if you've ever thought of it like that. Back in the day, we had church communities that were a little more isolated. A little more sheltered. where young people could grow up a little more before they got faced with real evil? Not anymore. Not anymore. As soon as they get that first smartphone, it's right there. Right there in the palm of their hands. And we've got to be real about this. We've got to be very, very real about this. What are we going to do about this? Are we making enough effort to protect and to care for, and to be real about the dangers out there. Okay, the question of the message asks, what is that in your hand? And I have a number of answers for you tonight. What is that in your hand? And I'm talking about this. What is this in your hand? What is it? And I want to answer that question in about five ways. And for different of you, different of you it's going to have a different answer. So be listening up. And please take to heart what this may mean to you. What is what it What is it to you? Some things it may not be anything to you in. And you are above the, the fray in that one. The first one is an idol. For many of you, digital technology is an idol. And I shouldn't say for many of you. For many folks, it can be an idol. I've got to have the latest and greatest. And that makes me special because I have the latest and greatest. I don't have the latest and greatest. I'll tell you. Digital technology can become a god to us in that it meets our needs and we are dependent on it to the point where it, it counterfeits God. Jeremiah 17:9 to 10 says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I the Lord search the heart and test the mind and give every man according to his ways according to the fruit of his deeds. A quote from Tim Keller, he says, The human heart, in his book, The Counterfeit Treadmill, he says, The human heart is an idol factory that takes not only bad stuff, but good things, like a successful career, love, material possessions, even family, and turns them into ultimate things. The human heart can take things that are okay in themselves and turn them into ultimate things, into God's. Brothers and sisters, I need you to ask yourself tonight, is that new device a God to you? If it is, you need to repent. Because if it becomes a God to you, it's wrong. It's an idol. Anything we cherish more than God is an idol. Anything that takes the place that God must have, anything that takes priority over our devotion to God, anything that we would miss more, Anything that we value more gives us more value. Anything that we think about more. Anything we spend more meaningful time with than we do with God becomes an idol to us. And this is serious. God hasn't changed over the years. He will never let the heart who has created idols to rest easy. If our digital device has become more than God to us, we must repent and give God the glory he deserves. What is that in your hand? The second answer tonight. What is that in your hand? For many of you, it's a distraction. It's a huge, huge distraction. It is to me at times. I'm doing one thing and all of a sudden a beep happens. You've got a message. You've got a whatever has showed up. You've got a notification of something. Somebody's calling, whatever. And you get distracted and you've got to address that situation or it's going to keep beeping at you. It becomes a huge distraction. We have become distracted people. We don't focus well. How many of you have noticed that? We've become more distracted. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. And this is actually affecting our our way that we can study and the way we can memorize. And it affects the way we relate to the printed word, the way we, we relate to scripture even. We have just become very distracted. And it's going to take some discipline for when you understand that, it, that this is happening to you. It's going to take some real discipline in your heart and life to recognize that this is happening to you and that you're going to have to make some disciplined choices. If that thing is distracting you during your devotional time, if that thing is distracting you during church, you need to stop it. You need to get rid of it. Tim Chollies is a pastor, writer up in southern Ontario. And his book has been very helpful to me in preparing this message. But he said he was at a conference somewhere and he was watching a worship service. And they were really getting into this worship service, and this lady was singing and raising her hands. And he looked at her closely, and she was texting with one hand. While she was doing this with the other hand, she was texting. That's where it's gotten. Our lives have become a mile wide and an inch deep. We can't focus or think deeply. This is not the hallmark of the believer. The psalmist said in Psalm 1, he says, I'll meditate on your word. I'll meditate on your word. And that involves deep thinking. That involves concentrated thinking. I don't know how many of you realize, but the, the way that the browsers are set up when you go online, they're designed to do that to you. They're designed very, for very, very shallow, shallow reading." Google doesn't make money when you sit on one web page for a long period of time. They make very little money. They want you to go back to the search results and go to a new page because there's another ad on the next page. So you read in an F pattern, right? You go into there, you read the title of the page that you've pulled up. You go across the top. And then you go down and you go way across it and then you stop. And then you scroll down to the bottom and you're done with that page. And then you go click back and you go onto another page. And it's all a big game of, of uh, making the most money with the number of hits that, that they can record. Does shallowness in thinking promote shallowness in living? It does. It does. And, and we are in danger in this generation, in this culture, of becoming more shallow. Because we do spend a lot of time browsing. We are in danger of becoming more shallow. We don't memorize enough. We don't, we don't think enough. We don't study deeply. And life is a big distraction. And I've got to go check my Facebook status. And I've got to check a message that just came in. And I've got to check the latest Wall Street numbers and I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I'm working on a project so I've got to go back to that a little bit and then I'll go somewhere else again. It's a distracted distracted life that can happen. And it's going to take some real discipline and God's help for us to understand what's going on and to eliminate some of those distractions. Number three, an answer to the question, what is that device to you? It's a waste of time. It's a huge waste of time. I venture to say for many of you this is the case. Not all of you. Some of you are very disciplined. But for many of us it can be a huge waste of time. As I mentioned earlier, five hours. Five hours are spent in in interaction with with a device throughout the day. And it's not only young people that are affected. Do you have any idea how much of your time is eaten up with the digital media thing? People always underestimate. When when surveys are done, they all oh, they say, oh no, not that much. But if they really have a tracker on them, they spend a lot of lot of time. A lot of lot of time. And it's not good constructive time. Ephesians five says, Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each person. God must come first. Our families must be higher on the list. Face to face interaction with each other as believers needs to be on top of the list. Check yourself on your time that you're spending. Number four, what is that in your hand? It's a disconnect. And now here I'm getting into serious stuff. I'm talking really, really serious stuff. When I get engrossed in my technology, I I somehow think that I am impervious to other people. I think that I am not going, people don't know where I am. And Tim Chalice tells a story about the sailors. In his book, The Next Story, he says there's these sailors would go from Europe in the Mediterranean Ocean and they would get on their ship. And Sir Nelson said that every man when they get beyond Gibraltar is a bachelor. When you pass Gibraltar out into the big sea, every man becomes a bachelor. And what he's saying is that people feel that now we're way out there and I'm not responsible to anybody. Nobody knows where I am. Nobody knows where I've been. I'm not responsible to anybody. If you feel like you become anonymous and now morality, anything that you feel that people are watching you, I'm now by myself. I can do whatever I want. That's when your true character comes out, right? You go out there and you say, well, I'm, I'm, nobody's seeing what I'm doing now. And uh, now I'm a bachelor. Back in the day, And that's kind of going by the wayside in our church too. Everybody knew everybody else. And you better keep yourself straight even if you went down to the corner store. You better be straight because somebody's watching. And they're going to let somebody else know that they saw Sam doing something he shouldn't have been doing. But in the digital world, you get on that computer or you get on that iPad or that smartphone and you get off in a dark room somewhere, and you get into pornography, and you get into all kinds of other stuff. You think you're you're all by yourself and nobody sees you. It's a disconnect that happens. And for many, their digital device forms a disconnect. Back in the day, you had to go to the mini-market and and sculp over there and find one of those nasty magazines. You don't have to anymore. You had to go to the red light district of the town. And go out on the town to find the nastiness. You don't anymore. You don't have to go there. It's right available to you. Pleasure without accountability. A terrible trap. A disconnect from those we need the most to be connected to. How we need that contact with brothers and sisters. To ask them those hard questions. About how things are going with them. And their thought life. And their viewing habits. God has given us the body, the church, to help us live pure and healthy lives. We need each other. We need the body of Christ. We need accountability to help us with this. Of course God sees, doesn't he? God does see. Even in the dark. Number five, what is that in your hands? It's easy access. That's the big deal. It's easy access. That thing in your hand is easy access. Access like no one has ever had before. We have access before, but this is easier, and it's not obvious where we go. We have access to information. We have access to so much information, it's amazing. I used to, you know, when, when my oldest son came to me and, you know, we, we had a question all of a sudden. I'm like, well, let's see. We're going to have to research this thing. And finally, he just whips out his phone and, and a quick Google search and he's got the answers. But does he have the real answers? That's the question I have for you. How are the, how is, how do the, how do the browsers point you to pages how does Google, what is the algorithm that they use? The most, the most relevant information comes up first, right? The one with the most sources. And so we get truth by consensus. We go online to find some bit of information, and all of a sudden the thing that pops up first is somebody like Wikipedia. Wikipedia is a bunch of bogus. Can you write to Wikipedia, Norman? Norman? Yes, you can. You can go right there tonight and you can write stuff on Wikipedia. Your own definition of what this is and how it works. So it's, it's, it's by consensus. Truth by consensus is what you'll find on the web a lot of times. It's not authoritative. It's not really true. And that goes with Bible teaching as well. YouTube videos can be posted by anyone. Truth has its origin in God and the scriptures. We can't verify the information online unless we have the truth of God's word to back it up and authoritative sources that we can go to. Same thing with authority. Authority comes from and is established by God. All the stuff we access quickly online may not be authoritative. We don't know. We go online for information. We go online for news. Some of us spend too much time there. Political, financial news. How important is it that we be up to date? Not terribly. It's all fake news anyway. Right? Pretty much. We don't know if it is or not, but a lot of it is. The good news is it's not fake. We go online for entertainment. And this is where I think a lot of time is spent. Entertainment. It becomes a source of entertainment for us. We go there and spend a lot of time in entertainment. Ra- radio sports. Music videos. YouTube videos. Cat videos. Hunting and fishing videos. Do you have that time? You have to ask yourself that question. We go on there for social media. And this is also somewhat out of hand, I think. It has its good good aspects, but it's way out of hand when our lives are ruled by social media. We don't need to know what everybody else is doing. Finally, and this is the one that becomes really serious to me, and one of the reasons that, that drove this topic tonight is pornography. Pornography has always been around, hasn't it? It's been around for years and years. It goes way back. Pornography has is, 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 uh, been around for a long time, but it's never been this easy. Never been this accessible. and young people I'm especially concerned about the phone we have a filter on our router at home we made Joel push his computer out into the public space but when Joel gets a smartphone which he hasn't yet and I'm not sure how soon he's going to get one he's out somewhere and he can he can go and find pornography very, very easily. And when somebody walks by, it goes in the pocket, home button, whatever, it is quickly covered. And that's a big concern to me. That really is a big concern. And it should be a concern to you all you young people, it should be a big concern. To you parents, it should be a huge concern. It should be a huge concern. And I, I spent a bit of time yesterday and the last few days trying to decide if I should, if I should use an example of failure. Find an example of failure and, and, and highlight it tonight, but I didn't. But there's failure around you and it's, it's not pretty. It is a terrible, terrible, terrible road when they go down the road with pornography. It starts with, with what they call soft pornography and decent images. And it gets into the, the twisted pornography, the hardcore pornography. It gets into child pornography. It gets into all kinds of deviant stuff. And the way it is, it becomes addictive that, that you're never satisfied, I'm told. By by one level, you keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and you keep getting so messed up. And people are so so deviant these days, so messed up. And a lot of it has roots in pornography. It really does. Um, James Thompson, some years back, had interviewed Ted Bundy. He was that mass killer down in his final prison, and. And his, his, his evil behavior, his mass killings, had its roots in this. And in many, many cases, even in our own community, that you don't know about is happening. And it's, 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 it's bad news. And it, it takes, takes so much to break that change. I, was, I, was in, I did meetings in August in a church in Pennsylvania. And the, the one pastor there was so open about it. He said, I was into pornography. And he gave a testimony at one of the meetings. He said, I, I've, I've, I'm clean for the last couple of years. But he was so into pornography. This is a pastor who you would have respected and who is well-liked and what have you. And he got into pornography and it took him down into all bad stuff. But he's clean now by the grace of God. But it, 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 it takes so much to get out of and it's something you don't want to get into. If you're into it tonight, young person, old person, man, woman, if any of you are into it, repent. Reach out for help. Reach out for help. I'm serious. Reach out for help. There is grace. There is is redemption. Reach out for help. And I make myself personally available. If you want to talk to somebody Talk to me. Talk to one of the other pastors. Talk to somebody. Get the help that you need. Get out of it. It's a road to hell. If your hand or your foot, Jesus said, and I don't know if he looked ahead and saw what was in people's hands, but he said, if your hand or your foot offends you, cut it off and and cast it away because it's better to enter life with with one hand than to go to hell. And he may not have been referring to literal hand cutting. I don't think he was, but he's saying, be drastic. Do what it takes to get rid of that. Okay, action items. I know I'm taking more time than probably was allotted tonight. What are the action items that I think we should do? And I'm going to have to go through these pretty quickly. But uh, they're kind of in the order in which I would consider to be critical for you. What action items should we do in, in, in this case? Number one, awareness. And that's what tonight was about. I want to try to heighten awareness. I know some of you are quite aware. But I want to raise awareness of what the situation is. Don't hide your head in the sand, Mom and Dad. If you think your son is acting weird and you think that he's spending too much time at the computer or his smartphone or whatever. Don't put your head in the sand. You need to find out what's going on. Number two, an up-to-date relationship with God. An up-to-date relationship with God. This is one of the biggest deterrents to this kind of thing. An up-to-date relationship with God. And that's what we're here tonight for is to express how we are with God and what God is doing With us and keeping that up to date and confessing and repenting where we need to do that. Prayer, reading of the word, going to church whenever you can, Sunday school. Number three is priorities. Where priorities in our culture are mixed up with this stuff, relationships are taking the back bench and technology is coming in their place. You see, you go out to eat now and you watch a family at the restaurant and instead of sitting there talking to each other and, and, and building relationships which is what they should be doing when they're going out to eat, they are each got their phone off to the side and they're, they're on, on something. You can't take your technology with you when you go. You can take people, your relationships with you, children, co-workers, Priorities, put the priorities where they should be. Number four, discipline choices. And I, think he, I don't think he would mind me saying it here tonight. Uh, Rich mentioned it to me. He said that uh, the young man who was here and uh, spoke at our weekend meetings, Josh. He has made some hard choices in his home. I don't know what his history is with this, but he doesn't have a smartphone. I think he has a flip phone, one of those old fogey things. And he doesn't have internet at his home. How can he live? I don't know. But there are choices that we need to make when we get serious about a situation. There there are choices that we need to make. And one of the big ones I want to say with you parents is is be responsible with your children. And, And they don't need a phone when they're very young. They don't need a phone a smartphone very early. They really don't. Discipline choices, family positions need to be taken. Number five, accountability. Accountability helps. It's not an answer all, it's not an a, a, to, to this problem, but it is helpful. I have been meeting with an accountability group for a number of years. Four of us men meet together. And it's been good. It's a good thing. I know personally when I've been tempted or thought of something, I thought, well, you know, what am I going to say? Am I going to be able to give a clean report at our next meeting when they ask me where I've been? It's good. And I, I ran something by the ministry brothers here just in the last couple of days. I think we need to really put a bigger emphasis on that again in our church community. And I I, uh, indulge me when you see a questionnaire come out in the next few days. I want to find out how many people have a group that they're meeting with. And the goal of this is to expedite more people joining groups. If you want to join a group and you don't know who to go join and you want to join one, come see me. I'll find you a group. Now you can join ours. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to, to meet together and to ask each other the hard questions. It really is. It's worth whatever effort we make. One failure avoided is worth everything. And the final one, the one that people harp on the most, which I find is probably the least effective, but it is good also, and that's internet filtering. Um, that is good. You should... You should filter your internet. Our, our church standard asks you to if you go online to install a filter. Um, I want to give you an online address that you should go to. It's called filteryourinternet.com. Go to filteryourinternet.com. It's a website set up by some young men. I don't know if they're all young, but they're mostly young with the Mid-Atlantic uh, Mennonite Fellowship up in Pennsylvania. Men that I know, I know some of them. Uh, Randy Risser, uh, Sean Risser, Kevin Zimmerman, Wesley Gingrich, I might know a little bit. There's a group of them that pastors and, and IT guys that know computers. And you go to that site and they'll say recommended filters. And they'll, they'll, they will show you all the filters that are available for your device. And they will make a couple of recommendations. And there's also browsing guidelines there that are very helpful on how to, how to, how to do when you're on the, online. Good resources there. Filtermyinternet.com I would also recommend a program that we use at our house called OpenDNS. And if you install it right on the router and it, it, it filters all the, the, uh, the internet in the, in the home. It's not useful for cell stuff, but it's good for the other stuff. And I would recommend, if you are interested in this topic, a book that I referenced earlier, The Next Story by Kim Chalice, pastor who's very sound and very much been concerned about digital technology. It's available on Amazon or hard copy as well. So... How can I wrap this thing up tonight? What is that in your hand? This is not intended to be condemnation on anybody. This is just to raise awareness of what we're dealing with in the 21st century. Brothers and sisters, if we can avoid one failure, if we can avoid one ruined marriage, one ruined pastor, one ruined whatever, whatever, One young man that that is forever scarred by those images that he saw online. It's worth it. What is that in your hand? God bless you.